You're listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. God works, and this is a reflection of His nature and character. Learn more on this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We are about to start a brand new series entitled TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. You know, we're so familiar with uh, saying, thank God it's Friday, because we're always excited every time Friday comes along because we get to rest the next day, right? I mean, if you're always excited every time Friday rolls in. Now, honestly, right? You know, when Friday comes in, yay, weekend. You know, we're already planning for things that we will be doing this weekend. But how many of you are actually thankful that it is going to be a Monday? You know, for example, tomorrow, when you wake up in the morning, how many of you would actually say, Lord, thank you. It's a Monday. I'm excited to work. I'm excited to see my boss, who's like a beast. I'm excited to see my co-employees who are always gossiping about me, you know. I'm excited to work and do the things that I've, you know, I've been doing for the past 10 or maybe 15 years. How many of you are actually thankful to God for the work that He has given us? Uh, This series that we're going to be talking about is about work. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the God who works. Uh, We know that the God we serve has worked in the account of creation. He rested on the seventh day, but he has not stopped working. And how many of you know that God is still working until today? He is working in us. Amen. Tell the person beside you, God is still working in you. He's not done with you yet, but he will soon finish you. Right? Doesn't come out right. Okay? But anyway, so, you know, we, we are talking about the God who works next week. We're going to be talking about the work that works and then we're going to be looking at the man who works. I think there's going to be not just a three-week series, but the week after that will be a series break on Sabbath. So we're trying to connect that to the work, and then after work, enjoy the rest that God has given to us. Now, how many of you have a job? Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand if you have a job. Okay. If you are working, whether a businessman, or maybe you're an employee in a company, or maybe a teacher, or a lawyer, or an accountant, or a professional. Raise your hand again, please. All right, good. How many of you are students? Please raise your hand. Oh, wow, it's scattered all over. Okay, you're scattered. Okay. How many of you are housewives? Okay. That's still work. You need yeah, non-stop work, 24-7. You need to ask your husband for salary there, Okay. Uh, you not only take care of your husbands, but you also take care of your children and all the things in the house, okay? And so, um, you know, we're talking about work. Our objective is at the end of this series, our people will understand that work is a what? A blessing from God. And I hope that we get to see that, that when you go tomorrow in your workplace, that the very desk and the very task, the job description, the work at hand for the whole week is a blessing from God. Amen. That it is not a curse. Work itself is not a curse. It is not part of the curse. We're going to talk about that later on. Reflecting His character and nature and should be enjoyed through faithfulness and hard work. And I believe that the same excitement that we experience on a Friday ought to be a greater excitement experience on a Monday. Walang mag amen I get to say, thank God, it's Monday because tomorrow it's my day off. Praise God. <laughs> Sundays are our work day, Monday is our day off and our Sabbath. 
But anyway, I believe that throughout, you know, we're going to, you know, a different or a greater perspective on what work is for us and how God designed work to really bring about fulfillment to man. That it is not something that makes uh, life difficult, but it is something that will cause us to be blessed by God and to be a blessing to others. That is what work is. But let's look at some statistics before we uh, look at the scriptures. According to some statistics, 80% of people are dissatisfied with their jobs. Turn to the person beside you and ask that person, are you that person? Are you that? You don't have to answer that. 80% of the people are dissatisfied with their jobs. That's why it says there, if you're looking from the building, don't jump, okay? Don't end your life like that. Each year, the average American, I'm not really sure here in the Philippines, spends over 100 hours commuting, maybe in the Philippines, it's times three, particularly if you work in EDSA. Because EDSA is a glorified parking lot. During rush hours, Monday to Friday, particularly maybe 7 to 9, wow. You know, you see the smoke there, the glory of God has risen. Anyway, 10,000 workers per year drop dead at their desk as a result of a 60 to 70 hour work week in Japan. This phenomenon is known as karoshi. It was unfortunate because, you know, we're not really designed to work that much. You know, somehow, I think we have a 40 to 48 hour work week, but if you extend your work too much, and if you, how many of you know that if you work 16 hours a day, it's not healthy? It's just too much. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not good for your body, it's not good for your family. It's not good for your relationship as well. So there's also a balance. We get to appreciate work, but don't enjoy it too much that you don't want to go home anymore. Yeah, I don't want to go home to my wife. Because when I go home to my wife, it's double work. That's listening to her nagging. You know, that's double work. And I'm not talking about that. Okay? Yes, we need to enjoy work, but let's not overextend ourselves and go to the other side of the pendulum. The average person spends 90,000 work hours over their lifetime on the average. You know, right now in the Philippines, we have, uh, I think, about 10,000 people are out of the country working as OFWs. That's kind of sad knowing that many of these OFWs are mothers and some of them are fathers. They had to work abroad and uh, they were somehow pushed because of the reality of economy that they can't find a job here. So they would go out and find work abroad in order for them to provide and sustain uh, the needs of the family. One-tenth, about 10 million. We have about 100 million people in the Philippines. Thus, this term, when you look at work, it's negative. You know, we now look at work as something that is a cross that we had to carry every day. So when Monday one, one morning that you wake up, you feel like carrying your cross again and you're, you know, taking a bath and here you are. You know, it's different excitement when Saturday rolls in, but when Monday comes in, oh man, Monday na naman. That's the term Manic Monday or, you know, this is a song back in the 80s. You know, you, and there's a, a term, of course, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. And you want that week to end already. In fact, people nowadays have become so creative that they made Wednesday as the weekend of the weekdays. There's like a Wednesday break and they go out because they could not wait any longer for Friday to come in. 
You know, my prayer is that we would have a new perspective when it comes to work. That when you look at your work in the morning, you know, when you saw that video, awestruck, looking at the sunset, how many of you know that that is the work of God? I mean, it's, you know, how I wish we could actually spend time, you know, just staring at the sunset. I was able to do that during our staff outing. We were just, you know, there with our families. And, you know, uh, I think on the second day, we just decided to just stay in front of the beach and wait for about two hours just looking at the sun go down. And I took my camera and I did a time lapse. And I played it over and over again. And I said, wow, God. This is just so amazing. But many times we don't have the chance to do that because we are just too busy. And because of our busyness that we carry to work every day, we have seen a negative side of work that we don't actually enjoy the nature anymore. But we're not anymore, you know. Many times we only get awed by the nature. When you look at the sun go down, wow. But my question for us today is, when you go to work on Monday, for example, tomorrow, when you see your desk, would you actually say, wow, I get to work here. It is such an honor and a privilege. I'm excited to work. I'm excited to give all my best to God. I'm excited to put all my, my effort, my, my resource, my talent in this company. Because I know that my boss is not my actual physical boss, but how many of you know that our boss is God Himself? And God is the one who promotes us. Amen. God sees our faithfulness and He sees the work of your hands. And the Bible says He blesses the people who are so faithful. He blesses those. If you're faithful in the little things, the Bible says God will give you much. And how many of you would like to be faithful with a little? Amen. You know, how many of you dream that you're actually going to be promoted in your job. It's okay. That's a good dream. Nothing wrong with that. We're talking about mindsets. In this series, we want to confirm correct views on work. We want to look at biblical views on work. We want to clarify our mindset. What is right? What is wrong? What is from God? What is not from God? What is cultural and what is scriptural? We want to be able to clarify, Lord, what is acceptable, what is moral, and what is unethical? You know, how do I glorify you in my work? If I work in BIR, can I actually glorify in my work? If I work in the customs, if I work as a politician, if I work as an accountant, if I work in the bank or as, in, as a call center agent, how do I glorify God in my work? We're also here to correct or change incorrect perspectives. How many of you know that mindsets will always drive behavior? If you have a certain mindset, it will be the one who's responsible in producing a certain kind of behavior. If you have a poverty mindset, your behavior is you will not give. Because you think that if you give, you will lack. You know, the mindset that we have determines our behavior. Right? We're driven by mindsets and certain values. Another way for mindset is perspective. How we see things, our attitude towards some things. The mindset that we have. You know, what do you see in this picture? Is that man staring at you or is he looking at the left? Ah, interesting. Life is all about how we see things. I could not say that those of you who see that this guy is staring at you is right. And those of you who see him staring on the left, you're right. How many of you see it, you know, looking at you? 
How many of you see him looking on the left? Now who is right? Maybe both. Perspective. How do we view things? There's a story of a little boy who was born with a sickness who could not actually see color from his eyes. I'm not really sure what sickness that is called, but when he was born, he was not born blind. He could actually see everything, but he sees everything in black and white. That's his, you know, his, you know, his uh, condition. And for the first time, his parents were able to give him a pair of glasses, and he was able to see color for the first time, and he had a different perspective. And look at the excitement of this young boy. He was looking at the same meadow, but as black and white. When he started to put on those glasses, he suddenly saw everything in color. And my prayer is that as we go through this series, that we would be able to put on a new pair of glasses. And God would show us a different perspective and different color in our work. Sometimes we hate our work. Actually, many times we hate our work. That's why I believe many of us are really asking the Lord, Lord, I am dissatisfied with where I am and I'm praying for a better work. Nothing wrong with that. But many times we use that as an excuse to see our work as only a stepping stone for a better job or maybe a stepping stone for a better opportunity. And because our mindset is like that, guess what you give to this current job of yours? You give it peanuts. The reason why we get monkeys is because we're only willing to pay peanuts for our monkeys, for, for those who are working. You know, I believe that we should be giving our best and we should be giving our all in order for us to see better things in life. We're not looking at the future. We're looking at the now. When you look at you know, this work that we're talking about, work is not the future condition of our work that we get to be excellent in. But my prayer is that even in the now, everybody say now. Everybody say my work now. Help me, Lord, to look at my work now and live excellently and be excellent worker for your kingdom and for your glory. Let's all stand up right now. We're going to be reading from Proverbs chapter 8. And uh, we're just going to read two verses. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you so much for the beauty and the blessing of work. We ask that you would speak to your people today. We thank you that you would remove every hindrance, that you would remove any burden, Lord. We thank you that you will encourage your people that even as we start a new work week tomorrow, Lord, that we will be excited. We will be looking forward to know and see and realize how much of a blessing it is to us. So, Lord, we thank you. Minister to us today through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. By the way, we're going to be looking at Proverbs for the next few weeks. Last uh, series, during the previous series, we talked about Psalm. And uh, in this series, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. And how many of you know that Proverbs basically is a book of wisdom? How many of you need wisdom? I think all of us need wisdom. And this particular verse that we've read is wisdom himself speaking. 
that he was present in the creation. He, this kind of literary form is a personification, which is an attribution of human characteristics to non-human uh, elements. So wisdom here is the one speaking. He said that he was present when God was creating everything. God did not create wisdom. God had already wisdom from the time of creation. Even before time began, as we know it, God has already possessed wisdom. You know, nowadays, if you look at the information availability, there's just too much info that is available for all of us. In fact, it says that there's not any lack of information that's available in your fingertips. In 60 seconds, it says that the rate of information and knowledge doubles every eight years. In every 60 seconds, 500 FB comments are posted. 1,500 blogs are being posted every minute, every 60 seconds. Okay? 700 FB status posts are posted. 98,000 tweets are posted. Almost 700,000 Google searches are made in 60 seconds. And how many of you know that in this world, we don't lack knowledge? In fact, there's just so much knowledge Sometimes, if you're really practical, you don't even have to enroll in a university. But if you know how to research, you would actually know more than any student in this. Because of the availability of information and teaching and materials out there in the internet. We don't lack knowledge. What we do lack is wisdom. Because wisdom is applied knowledge. Wisdom is the application of knowledge in our daily lives. In fact... You know, we can actually see some people who are, you know, crying out and they're saying, Lord, why am I not successful? You know, I've been going through school and I've done three MBAs and I went through this training and I've done this, this seminar and I'm now two PhD uh, degree holder and I'm, I'm this, I'm that. But why is it I'm not successful? Because that guy is a guy who's knowledgeable. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. What he needs maybe is to start applying the knowledge that he has in his daily career. This is what Jesus meant when he was talking about the wise and the foolish builder. The wise builder and the foolish builder both heard the word of God, but only one applied the word of God. And you call that wisdom. Tell the person beside you, speak to that person, you are wise. Come on, speak prophetically, you are wise. You are wise. Sabihin mo sa galog, wise ka. Para hindi yata magandang ano? And by the way, when you talk about wisdom, wisdom is different from being smart. Street smart. Being street smart is not the same as wisdom. You know, practical knowledge that you have. You know, some people are saying, oh, I'm street smart. I'm street smart. You know, I know how to do this, you know, things. You know, outside, I, I have experienced so many things. Experience has taught me the things that I learned now in success in life. But how many of you know that having the wisdom coming from God is better than being street smart? We need wisdom from God. And, you know, I believe that God will give us a better perspective on work this evening. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, once again, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work. This is wisdom talking. The first of his acts of old. In fact, when you talk about first, it was not talking about a cardinal number or an ordinal number. A cardinal number meaning one, two, three, or an ordinal number meaning first, second, or third. But really, this word first talks about eternal. 
the eternal value, even before the invention of time, wisdom was already there, as I was saying, uh, talking about. So the, the author of Proverbs described the first of God's work of old men, that this wisdom that is talking here existed as God existed. And how many of you know that God was never born? In the beginning, God. In the beginning of time, in the time that we know, God is already existing. God has no birthday. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He, even before the creation of time, He is already there. He possesses everything. He is omniscient, omnipotent, all-knowledge, all-knowing, omnipresent, all-powerful. So I want to just share two things, two thoughts for us this evening as we talk about work. Number one is God started work. That's my first point. Everybody say, God started work. God is the inventor of work. He was the one who gave us work. He was the one who invented work. In fact, He was the one who first worked. He was the first worker. God worked in the beginning. We see the creation. We see the, you know, the, the account of the creation that when God uh, you know, created the heavens and the earth, every day that He uh, created, He would summarize that by saying, it is good. We see all throughout the Bible, even in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 32, the very uh, Ten Commandments, the tablets that were given to Moses was the work of God. The Bible says the tablets were the work of God. The writing was what? The writing of God. He didn't just tell His angels, Pakisulat mo nga, nangangalay ang kamay ko eh. You know, He basically wrote that by His very own fingers, the Bible says. Engraved on the tablets. We know that God is working even until today in Romans chapter 8, 28. Maybe this is one of your favorite verses. Can we read this out loud? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. We know that whatever it is that we're going through in life, whether it is a good time or maybe a bad time, we know that God is working behind the scenes. Amen. We know that God works everything for the good. Maybe you're going through a tough time right now. Maybe you're going through a tragedy. Maybe you're going through a sickness. Maybe you're going through a difficult time in your office. Maybe you're going through a difficult time in your marriage. You can always claim this verse. We know that it is too early to throw in the towel. We should never give up. We should never quit because God is working. God works for the good of those who love Him, those who are called according to His purpose. God is continuing to work in us. Amen. God is working. He's continuing to work. He's not giving up on us. Why would we give up on ourselves? Tell the person beside you, God is not giving up on you. Notwithstanding your background, Notwithstanding your failure, notwithstanding your sins, past, present, and future, God already made a provision for that. He will always, we know that in all things, God will always work for the good of those who love Him and those called according to His purpose. We see that. We see also that when Jesus was here on earth, He was working. He said this in John chapter 4, 34. He said, My food is to do the what? The will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. When Jesus was here, He was working. He was here. He was a man with a mission. 
You know, he, he was sent by God here to do one mission and mission alone. He came to give his life for the salvation of many. He gave his life as a ransom so that we can, we can be saved from our sins. In uh, John chapter 9, verse 4, he said, I must work the works of my Father. He says, the one who sent me, I must do his work. This actually irritated the Jews, the religious people, the religious leaders. Because what he is saying is tantamount to saying that if you're saying that you're called by God to work, then that means that you must have divinity inside of you. And they were right. Because Jesus himself was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Jesus was God from the very beginning. When God was creating the world, how many of you know that Jesus, the Son, was with Him? That's why when God created us, He said, let us make man in our image. Who was God talking to at that time? Was He talking to the angels? Let us? No. Was He talking to Himself? Let us? Was He schizophrenic or... Or you know, bipolar. You know, was he you know having that situation? No, but he was talking to the Trinity, the God. He let us. Jesus was already part of that creation from the beginning of time, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work with us today. We know that the Holy Spirit is in us. Romans eight nine. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. And how many of you have the Spirit of God in you? Please raise your hand. If you are born again, if you are a Christian, the Spirit of God lives in us. The Spirit of God is not living just in heaven. How many of you know that God is omnipresent? God is everywhere, right? We know that. If you go to the streets of Makati, how many of you know that God is there? In your car, is God there? In your room, is God there? Inside of us, is God there? We are the bearer of the presence of God. You know, everywhere we go, we bring with us the presence of God. And inside of us, God is doing a mighty work of transformation, of sanctification, because God is finishing His work in us. You know, maybe you're struggling with a particular sin or temptation, or maybe you're struggling with unforgiveness or bitterness, or maybe lust, or maybe laziness, or maybe uh, discouragement, or maybe, uh, you know, fear. How many of you know that the Spirit of God is inside of us and He's the one controlling all this? We know that we're not supposed to be controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit of God. How many of you, if you're tempted, you actually would stop first and would think about the outcome of this temptation? How many of you have that? If you're tempted, how many of you are tempted? Please raise your hand from time to time. How many of you are tempted regularly? It's okay. I'm tempted regularly. But it doesn't mean that you have to fall into temptation. Jesus was tempted in the desert. Remember that? Matthew chapter 4. He was tempted as he was fasting for 40 days. He was tempted by the devil. But he didn't give in to that. And when we are tempted, we have a choice. The choice is, do I do this? Or do I not do this? Every time we're tempted, right? Amen. If you are tempted to be bitter against someone because that someone was bad to you or maybe offended you, in your mind right now, when you see that person, particularly in this church, for example, if you see someone who offended you in this church and then you realize 
he's also attending the 5 p.m. service. And how dare he sit in my aisle in the same row? So inside of you, now there's a temptation for you to hate this person. Would you pray, Lord, kunin mo na siya? Now na. Would you pray imprecatory prayers of, you know, Lord, curse him. I pray that his work tomorrow will be bad. I pray that he get fired from work. Would you do that? Or would you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit? You know, be kind to him. Forgive him. Overlook that offense. Bible says it is the glory of man to overlook an offense. It doesn't make sense. But that's not wisdom from the world. Wisdom from the world would say, get even. Right? An eye for an eye. Atol for atol. Get even. But yet, God says, forgive. How many times? Seven times? Seventy times seven. As many times as it would take. The work of the Holy Spirit. Every time He's busy working in our lives. When you go home tonight, for example, when you're alone in your room and you have an opportunity to open your computer and suddenly there was an urge to look at a certain site that is not really positive or moral. Inside of you says, don't do it. And there's another part of you that says, Come on, nobody will find out. What do you do? Gusto ko pero di ko magawa. Yeah! You know, it's difficult to say no sometimes. But the Holy Spirit will enable us to say yes to God and no to sin. Amen? Come on, give the Lord praise. He's busy working in us building the character of Jesus in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, the, uh, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. If we're in need of wisdom, if we're in need of ideas, maybe you're working in a creative department of your office. How many of you know that all ideas come from God anyway? All we got to do is to tap into the Spirit of God and say, Holy Spirit, help me here. I don't know what to say. Maybe you're doing a presentation. Maybe you're in sales. And maybe you're supposed to you know, do a, the, a whole marketing scheme of things. And you're, you've run out of ideas. All you got to do is to cry to the Lord. The Spirit of God searches all things. He's better than Google, by the way. Even the deep things of God that is not accessible by any computer in the world. You know, sometimes you look at work negatively. Because the idea, even in the Old Testament, sometimes they have thought that there's a dualism in terms of work. People in the Old Testament or even other, uh, in other culture or race, like the Greeks, they thought that work was part of the curse of the gods. That somehow the gods has brought man some punishment by giving them work. And this mindset of work now plagued them. And they said, if you are working, it is a curse from God. Even the Jewish uh, people, the religious people have taken on this idea on work. We will see this in the writings of the Talmud in the prayer showing of the work of an ungodly perception. 
And it says here, I thank you, O Lord. This is one religious uh, leader praying. I thank you, O Lord, my God, that you have given me my lot with them who sit in thy house of learning and not with those who sit in the street corners. For I am early to work, and they are early to work. I am early to work on the words of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Pentateuch, and they are early to work on the things of no importance. So the rabbi would think that he is better than the other people who are working in the secular field because he's called by God to work in his in the temple. There was that mindset. I weary myself and they weary themselves, but I weary myself and profit thereby, and they weary themselves to no profit. I run and they run. I run towards the life of the age to come, and they run toward the pit of destruction. Different mindset. They think that just because they're doing something of you know, importance or value in the minds of God, that they can actually treat other people with contempt and look at them as less important. Sometimes we take that same concept and we put more value to the work that actually requires more education. And the work that requires maybe manual labor is paid less because it is of lesser value or of lesser importance. For example, you know, we think that a doctor or a nurse is, should be better paid than one who's working in the field as a farmer. Because we think that if you're using your mind or your intellect or your reason, then you are a better worker than one who uses just the hands and brute force. Or maybe if you're a public speaker, you should be actually getting more compensation than one who is just washing the dishes. You know, this concept of work, we distinguish that one work is better than the other. But how many of you know that all work is blessed, whether you use your mind or your body, because all work came from God anyway. Come on now. It is a blessing from the Lord. We got to be grateful for the work that God has given us. Whether you're one who's doing manual labor or whether you're one who's doing, you know, thinking in the office, God blesses you both. You know, God was the one who's in charge of creating the universe. In the beginning, God made. It didn't say, in the beginning, bang. God worked. It's not the Big Bang Theory. There was one who was behind the scenes working. He was the one who created, crafted everything with his mind, with his creativity, and he's continuing to make you know, everything until now. The stars and the new universe that they're discovering, God, I believe, is still doing that. And yet, it's interesting to note that the very strategy of God, when He sent His own Son, Jesus, to be born here uh, 2,000 years ago, He did not let Jesus be born in a royal uh, family. But guess which family He was born into? He was born into the family of Joseph and Mary, who was a carpenter. Jesus did manual labor. The occupation and the profession of Jesus for the first you know, uh, years in his life, singlehood of his life, before he entered ministry when he was at the age of 30, he was a carpenter. But I believe he was a very good carpenter at that, right? He was an excellent carpenter. Thus, he's, you know, at that particular time, the Jews are not expecting this picture. How can anyone come from Nazareth? You know, we're expecting a king, you know, coming from the line of David to be born as king of Judah and the king was going to save Israel. But yet a carpenter? But in the wisdom of God, God is showing to them 
I do not distinguish the type of work that we have. All work is important. Amen. Whether it's one that uses manual labor or one who uses reason or intellect, whatever it is that we're doing, God wants to bless us through our work. Amen. The next time we look at our work, I hope in my prayers that we would actually thank the Lord for the job that we have. You know, when we work, we reflect God's image, including the honor and the dignity in it. Work, therefore, gives us honor and dignity. We were made in the image of God. Part of the image of God we bear is God actually is a good worker. When I was in um, college, I got saved at the age of 18 when I was a sophomore student. I guess as students in La Salle, we, I finished my, uh, my accounting degree for three years. Okay, so three years plus two terms, that was like, so in less than four years, I was able to finish it. But when I got saved, I got heavily involved in the ministry and I was just hooked in the ministry. And I was a volunteer, even as a student, I would, you know, we, what we would do is, together with some of the leaders that we had then, we were a young church. I was 18 years old, and I was busy doing, you know, Bible study and teaching, leading small groups. And I remember when we were uh, uh, doing a Bible study, this small group that we started, you know, it started with 10, and then it became 20, and then it became 30, and then 40, and then 50, and then 60. So it, it became big, and so... We decided to rent a facility right across our campus, which is a Baptist uh, bookstore. And in that Baptist bookstore, there's actually a, a small auditorium. And so we would do you know, praise and worship. We would do preaching. We would do ministry there. The only thing that we did not do was take up the offering. So it was almost like a service. And so I got, we got so excited about ministry. And I told Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve, by the way, for those of you who don't know Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve is the founder of our church here in Manila back in 1984. And so Pastor Steve was the one who reached out to me. He was the one who actually uh, preached the gospel when, when I got saved. And so I said, Pastor Steve, I think I want to go to the ministry. And so he asked me, so what are you doing now? And he, I said, uh, I'm studying accounting. Also, here's what you do. I want you to finish your college degree. Really? I thought I can just go straight to the ministry. No, you finish your college degree. You value that because that is part of God's training to you. And so, okay, I'll do that. And then later on, I'm about to finish my college degree. I said, so can I now go to the ministry? And he said, you know what? Don't you know that as an accountant, you need to take the board exam? I said, okay. So I reviewed for about six months before I took the board exam. I didn't realize that I'm going to be meeting my future wife in the review school. I met Shirley in the, in the review school. Come on now. I mean, talk about the sovereignty of God. Had I not stepped into the purpose of God by being an accountant, I would probably have not met my wife. Things would probably be different. But I believe that even through our work, God works sovereignly in our lives, and He uses situations. And sometimes we're not really that excited. You know, Lord, I got a heart for the ministry, but yet God says, no, be an accountant first. So here I was, I took the board exam, finally I became an accountant. And Steve said, I want you to, maybe you're called to first work in the secular job and get a, a career outside in the private firm. I said, really? So I went out, I worked there for about three years, and I started enjoying my work. And, you know, it, it was an accounting uh, task, and we were, uh, I was a management accountant, and eventually... Uh, after I think about three years, the, the, 
accountant of the church resigned because of a change in career. And Steve asked me, so now are you willing to come to the ministry not as a pastor, but as an accountant? I said, okay. So I went into the ministry as an accountant. I was faithful in doing my work as an accountant. I would remember back in the day, back in 1990, when we would count our offerings, our offering bags were heavy because it was full of coins. We're a bunch of students at that time. And so the offering, you would actually hear the offering as it passes, ching chung, ching chung, you know, because of the, the, the coins that they, that they put in the offering bags. And, you know, every Monday morning, I would actually bring this offering bag in front of the office because right across our office is the UCPB branch of Pasay Road. And I would just cross. And I remember when I would cross from our office to the bank, the bank teller is not excited to see me. <laughs> because he knew that that day will be a hard day counting coins. But slowly, over the next few years, I noticed that we receive offerings and our offering bags are becoming less heavy. Less coins, more paper. Praise God. And nowadays, you know, it is probably rare for us to see coins already. You know, if you have coins, it's okay. You can put it in. If you have a gold bullion, it's even better. <laughs> Just put it in the bag. But I, I started enjoying that. And I believe that, you know, as I have been placed as an accountant, I did not use that as a stepping stone to a better work. My hope and my prayer is that when you work right now, is don't just treat your work as a stepping stone. I'm just, I'm just staying here just because I know that someday our vice president will die anyway. <laughs> and I'm going to take over. I hope that it's more than that. I hope that you see something better and something because God wants us to be excellent in our work. Amen. And eventually, you know, I, you know, I became a pastor. Steve said, I think you're called to be a pastor. Finally, you saw it. <laughs> no, but in reality at that time, I said, I don't think I'm called to be a pastor. I like working as an accountant. I am a volunteer leader. And he said, I think you are called to be a pastor. And it was... God, who started working in my heart, really just exposing that indeed God was the one who placed me in the ministry. Whatever it is I was doing, I know that whether it's counting money or doing paperwork or maybe doing tech work at the back or whether it's preaching, how many of you know it's still doing the work of God? Amen. Because there's no distinction. God is looking at our faithfulness in our work. And if you are faithful... In fact, the, you know, the picture that he said, well done, good, and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Tell the person beside you right now, be faithful. Because God wants to promote you. Yan. God started work. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 24 and 29, don't worry, my second point is just so short. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. This is still wisdom speaking. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the, the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world, 
When He established the heavens, I was there. When He drew a circle on the face of the deep, when He made firm the skies above, when He established the fountains of the deep, when He assigned the sea to its limit, it talks about sovereignty and property and national boundaries so that the waters might not transgress His command. When He marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside Him like a master workman. And I was daily His delight, rejoicing before Him always. You know, God has a standard for work. God started work, and God has a standard for work. And what is the standard of God for work? It's excellence. God's standard of work is that we give our very best. Everybody say, my best. God wants your best. Nothing but the best is what God expects from us. He gave us His best. In the work. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 and 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, And God saw everything that He made, and behold, it was what? Very good. He summarized His creation after the sixth day and said, It was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. He rested. But he went back to work. You know, when we rest on the Sabbath or when we rest on weekends, and how many of you have two work day, day offs? Okay? You have a Saturday and a Sunday. Okay? Or whatever. Yung iba kasi, there are some who are actually in the middle of the weekday off. But you get to enjoy rest. And rest is meant for us to just be refreshed so that when we go back to work, we're going to be excited once again and say, thank God, it's Monday. God's standard of work. He created everything beautiful. Look at, you know, do yourselves a favor. Just Google the seven wonders of the world and look at the amazing creation of God. It's the handiwork of God. We did a research and we saw different creativity of God when it comes to beaches. You'd find that there's a green beach in Hawaii. There's a pink beach in Bahamas. There's a black beach in New Zealand. You know, talk about the different creativity of God. God is not scrimped in creating anything. He's extravagant in creating things. Purple beach in the US. There's a red beach in Greece. There's an orange beach in Italy. Can you imagine that? There's even a rainbow beach in Australia. But what is best for me is the powdery white beach of Boracay. Come on up. Nothing like it. You can actually walk on the sand in the middle of a hot day and not even feel the heat because of its fine powder feel. And that's the handiwork of God. And to think it's post-fall of man. To think everything is degenerating as we speak because of the Sin of man. But yet, God has maintained the beauty of His creation. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise for that? God is amazing. He's amazing in His work. You and I bear the image of God. You and I are called to represent God and be excellent in our workplace. You and I are called to give the very best that we have in our work. Therefore, 
I summarize, work is moral. Work is good. Work is given to us by God. Work was not part of the curse. God placed man in the garden. The devil actually just tried to pervert and distort what work is all about. Even the evangelist Bill Graham said, Our society sometimes strives to avoid possibility of offending anyone except God. We change the rules according to our own convenience and disregarded the standards of morality of God. You know, even in the U.S. right now, I think what they're doing is they're introducing a new concept even among the young. They now have what they call the Satanic Children's Big Book of Activities. They're teaching in, in uh, schools. If a public school board is going to allow religious pamphlet and full Bibles to be distributed to students, we think the responsible thing to do is to ensure that these students are given access to a variety of differing, uh, differing religious opinions as opposed to standing idly by while one religious voice dominates the discourse and delivers propaganda to the youth. They're attacking the youth of today. But I believe that we know that there is just one standard and one standard alone, and that is the standard of God. Amen. And we need to live by it. We need to fight for it. We need to make sure. And of course, it's another issue right now. We've seen in the U.S. when they passed on this law of same-sex marriage. You know, is this really what's acceptable in society or is it convenient and just trying to ignore the very laws and commands of God? Is this just trying to be relevant in the times today or are we as a people of God ignoring what God commanded? I'm about to end and I'd like to ask the music team to join me here on stage. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, it says, The Lord took the man... Put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. God gave work first to man in verse 15 before he gave a command not to eat the fruit. In fact, the very first command of God is not do not eat. But he said in verse 16, You may surely eat. God first gave us freedom in the garden even before the command of not to eat. God wants us to value work. And I believe that today we can actually appreciate that God was the one who started work and God gives us the standard of work. We read earlier that Jesus came to do the will of the Father. And I believe that the hardest work that Jesus had to fulfill was His work on that cross the most excruciating, painful experience that anyone can actually go through was done by Jesus because of His love for you and me. The good thing is, His work has been done on that cross. He said, it is finished, it is done. Transaction is finished, the work is made, and we can actually just freely access the throne and give our trust and our, you know, our, our belief in the finished work of Christ on that cross. That's why I believe that God is calling all of us back to Him. Amen? I want to end with the scripture, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we just bow our heads right now? If you are here this afternoon and you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I just want to make a simple call for you. You know, Jesus gave His best. He gave His life. 
And all we need to give is our trust and our faith in Him. And if you are that person, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to lift up your hand right now. Just very quickly, lift it up. There's no fuzz about it. Yes, I see those hands. Lift it up. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, if you want to receive forgiveness, and if you want to accept His free gift of eternal life, that's the starting point of fulfillment in our lives. Yes, ma'am, God bless you. I see those hands being raised all across this room. Just lift it up right now before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe God is working in your heart. If you are lifting up your hand, can you just pray this prayer with me? Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner needing a Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and paying for the penalty of my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised Him from the dead. Thank you for accepting me in your family. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And thank you for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give the Lord praise right now. Come on, give the Lord praise. Let's all stand up right now. Let's all stand up all across this room. If you are working, I want you to lift up your hand. Working or maybe employed or maybe doing business or maybe even a housewife. I think that's all of us. We all have work to do. I want to just pray for a special blessing for all of us. Father, we thank you so much that this work that you've given to us is a grace from you. It is a blessing. Help us to look at it differently from this day on. That, Lord, when we wake up tomorrow morning at a Monday, we thank Lord God that we get to work. It's not we have to work. It's because we are grateful for this work. And we would like, like to say, thank God it's Monday. Thank God for my work. Thank God for the opportunity to be, a ble- to be blessed and to be a blessing. Lord, I thank you that you'll open new doors for these people even right now. We thank you. I prophesy promotion. I prophesy scale to be increased. I prophesy, Lord, open doors and new opportunities, Lord God, for us as a people. We thank you, Lord God. We will glorify in our work, Lord God. As we are faithful with a little, Lord God, I thank you that you will be the one to see, Lord God, our work. And may you bless the work of our hands, Lord God. You said in your word that God gives us the ability to produce wealth, to confirm His covenant that He has given to us through our forefathers. So Lord, we thank you that your blessing will be upon your people even today. We glorify you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Can we just give the Lord praise right now? We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.